Time for us to check in with our Richard Zussman over in Victoria this morning. Hi, Richard. Hi, Simi. You almost caught me singing that song there. Greg tried to pull a fast I one. Know. There, I know. Every feel. time we play Backstreet Boys, that happens, Richard. You are not alone on that one. No, it's good. It's catchy. I know. It's very catchy. Everything Backstreet Boys is catchy. When I can catch my husband singing Backstreet Boys, then you know it's catchy, right? He doesn't even know yeah. who he's singing. He just knows he's singing to a catchy song. Uh, when well, you we... can get Von Palmer singing Backstreet Boys, you know it's catchy. <laughs> we got him singing Macho Man last a couple weeks ago yeah. <laughs> with the Village People. That was, to me, as good as it's going to get. That's how, That was the yeah. supreme right there. All right. We have a couple of things to talk about today. We could talk about schools. We could talk about election. Let's talk about schools because there's a couple of issues here. One, we've got some reported cases, individual cases in a couple of different schools. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the, the wildfire smoke issue. Yeah. So on the cases, this is what parents and teachers and administrators were worried about. And Dr. Bonnie Henry said we were going to see cases. It was inevitable. But now we have seen three separate cases, including uh, Johnson Heights in Surrey and Delta Secondary and we don't yet know the origins of these cases, and most importantly, we don't know if the virus was spread in a school setting. So what we know from the Delta Secondary case is that an individual was in the school, uh, has now tested positive uh, for COVID-19. They were in the school on September 11th. There is contact tracing now happening to better understand whether it spread in the school setting or whether the virus was contracted at the school setting. And all of that will no doubt have people nervous. But I think a lot of people in the school community were impressed with the details laid out uh, in the letter sent to the school community from the superintendent. You know, this is what the province promised, that they would outline when there were individual cases in schools uh, to the school community, and if there was wider spread, an outbreak, that that would be communicated out to the entire province. So right. the real question, though, Simi, is how many schools has this happened in, and how much will it continue to happen, and will we see our first community spread within a school, or are the measures that have been put in place good enough to restrict the spread of the virus. Right, because this is the big test, right? Getting these first yeah. couple of cases and how they are dealt with will really determine how I feel like school operates moving forward. Yeah, and as cases go up, the risk continues to go up, right? We saw early on with these case numbers climbing that cases were going up, but ICU numbers and hospitalizations were staying down. And that's obviously very good news. And we knew that the virus was mainly those in their 20s and 30s. But now what we are seeing after weeks of rising numbers is the spread of the virus to a more vulnerable population. So we are seeing ICU numbers go up. We are seeing hospitalization numbers go up. And that is the worry about the school setting is, yes, we know that younger people have lower rates of getting the virus. We know that younger people, when they get the virus, it's less severe. But we also know that they can carry the virus and they can spread it on to teachers or administrators in a school setting or bring it home to a vulnerable loved one and give them the virus. And that's where the real test is right. around the back to school plan is if that virus gets in the school setting, spreads and then goes back out into the community, then that's where we could see some real substantial growth for both cases and for hospitalization numbers. Okay, so we also know that we heard Dr. Bonnie Henry yesterday expressing quite a bit of concern for where we're at with the numbers, particularly the impact on the healthcare system. So given all of that, right, schools, 
Dr. Bonnie Henry's concern and where we are at, how can the Premier be considering an election right now? So, you know, one of the reasons he's been pushed so hard now by people who work for the NDP to call this election. And if you know Premier Horgan, you know that when he's made a decision, he's made a decision. And it seems like he's at the point now where that decision in his mind has been made. But he is obviously watching very closely those things that you mentioned, cases in schools, hospitalizations, spread of the virus. So we don't know what the threshold is for him. That at what point does he say the cases are too severe that uh, he will not call that election? We know that Dr. Bonnie Henry will continue briefing during the election, but we have things like the smoke, right? Heavy smoke covering Metro Vancouver and Southern Vancouver Island, you know, leads to questions about whether schools should be in. Who, Who makes, you know, the district makes those decisions on a district level, but, you know, who's overseeing those decisions if we're in an election? That's one of the big questions. So I think Horgan is really convinced that uh, if the time is right for an election, we will see the economic recovery plan tomorrow uh, from the government, uh, both Horgan and, and Finance Minister Carol James. I th- we anticipate it will be tomorrow. It could also be on Thursday. Uh, and that will sort of outline the vision for the road to recovery. And if there is an election this fall, uh, that will act as the party's platform uh, for what they plan on doing post-election to, to sort of help get BC's economy back on track as as we work our way through the pandemic. You know, I have found it interesting to watch all this election talk unfold, right? Because you've got you know, the NDP nominating people and whatever fights yeah. they're having left, right and center. You've got the other political parties who clearly don't want this, which I find amusing because what we heard initially from the BC Liberals after the government first got formed was, oh, they're not going to last long. Oh, you know, there's going to be an election anytime. And now they're saying we, we can't have an election right now. Which one is it? Yeah, and I think, you know, you look at the polls and uh, most British Columbians do not want to see an election. So I think that's why you're seeing Andrew Wilkinson and the BC Liberals take that point. It's an easy way to score points early on in the process. And also, Horgan is the overwhelming favorite and the Liberals are still struggling to get organized you know, one of the things that Horgan benefited from in the 2017 election was this long buildup of some media coverage that all right. the stories were, who's John Horgan? Who's John Horgan? And in doing those stories, people slowly got introduced to John Horgan. Andrew Wilkinson is not going to get the who is Andrew Wilkinson coverage. And, you know, for those who follow politics, they will know who he is. But for the general population, most people, he will be a complete and total unknown And yes, there will be some focus on the election during the 28-day campaign. But most British Columbians will still be focused on their own health and an ongoing pandemic that continues to get worse. And it's going to be hard to get a message across during this election campaign. And I think that hurts the Liberals and it for sure hurts the Greens, who just yes. elected a new leader and saw your first and now yesterday. Absolutely. We're going to be speaking to her later in the show. Richard, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Simi. Have a great day.